Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good evening, Dayspring. How you doing? All right, well, I got two excited people. Let me see if I could get at least five more. I'm going to need at least five more, amen? How you doing, Dayspring? All right. Hey, we want to welcome those watching online. We, we, we acknowledge your presence. We're glad that you're connecting, and we want to encourage you to make it tomorrow, to be here. I know some of you are sick. Some of you had other stuff going, but from watching online and being in here is night and day, amen? Hey, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand. If uh, you didn't get a bulletin, maybe you just got the outline. Let me just say that I printed a certain amount of numbers of outlines, and I thought, man, that, that, that should be enough. And Rosie came to tell me before worship was done. It's like, hey, we ran out, you know? So I want to tell you that that's good news because you always keep surprising me. There's more of you here than I thought would be here. Amen? So, so keep it up. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Um, when you walked in, you should have gotten that bulletin or that outline. Uh, I want to invite you to use that along with me today. How many of you guys are ready for a new year? Anybody excited about this new year? Anybody expecting great things about this new year? Anybody got some hopes that they are expecting God to fulfill this year? Amen. Anybody think that they are going to see, that they're going to be surprised by God this year? I I don't know about you, but I am. And and, and I want to encourage you tonight. That's what I want to do tonight. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to get excited, to get hopeful, to anticipate God doing something wonderful this year. Now, I know there's some Debbie Downers in the room. There's always some Debbie Downers. And you won't say it, but I can see it in your stinky face. I can see it in that frown on your forehead. I can see your doubtful eyes that although you're not saying it, you're thinking it and you're saying, pastor, it's just another year. What's the big deal? It's a new year, but it's the same old of the same old. Now, let me tell you something very lovingly as your pastor. If that's your attitude, this year will be more of last year. If that is your attitude that there's nothing special, there's nothing to hope for, there's nothing good to expect, let me tell you, this year will be like your last year or or worse than your last year. Amen? So listen, it could either be an excuse or it could be a reason, but you decide. And if you stop making excuses, you will see the reasons to hope, to believe, and to anticipate God doing something wonderful. You know, I've always believed that the best from God in my life is not in my past, but it's in my tomorrow. I've, I've always been a big believer of this, that the goodness of God, that, that, that the best of God is never behind me, but in front of me. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. God has been really good to me. 
In fact, tomorrow I want to tell you a little bit about it. God has been really good to me, but I believe that God is so great. I believe that his plans are so magnificent for my life and your life that although he's been really good to us in the past, he's got better things for us in the future. Amen. So that's why every time that I go into the new year, I'm always expecting great things from God. I'm always anticipating good things to happen. I'm always striving for growth and for God to do something wonderful in my life. I'm always counting on God surprising me in a good way because I am a firm believer that the goodness of God is not in my past, but it's in my future as well. Amen. And and I hope you believe that too. Now, here's the thing though. If you have that same attitude, the Bible tells us that faith without actions is useless. That faith without action, without deeds, it's a dead faith. That it's a faith that doesn't save. It's a faith that doesn't produce anything. It's a useless faith. If you can declare it with your mouth, but your actions don't prove it, you might as well save yourself some saliva. Come on. I need some help tonight. Amen? Faith without actions is useless. If you believe that God has something good for you, if you believe that God can give you a breakthrough, if you believe that God can surprise you, if you believe that 2024 can be your breakthrough year, can be your best year, can be your year of victory, not only do you have to believe it, you got to behave like you're expecting it to be true. You got to take some action. Amen. We got to declare with our mouths, but we got to prove it with our actions. So what I want to do today is I want to share with you four actions that if you are expecting to have a better year, if you are expecting to have a good year, if you're expecting to have a blessed year, anybody want a blessed year? Anybody want a glorious year? I mean, come on, we've had our share of bad years, right? Don't you think it's time for the goodness of God to just be poured over our lives? Well, if that's what you want, if that's what you believe that is possible, there's four actions that we can take this year to ensure that 2024 is not like 2023, but it's better than any year you've had before. I I, I think I've shared this with you before, but I'm gonna give you a little tip. I I live my life based on certain principles. There's certain principles that just kind of guide my life, right? And one of those principles is one that I just share with you that I believe that the best things from God in my life are never in my past. They're in my future. And, and, And listen, because I believe that, because I believe that, one of the things that I always pray and I always tell myself is that 2024 is gonna be my best year yet. And if God gives me life, you want to know something? 2025 will be my best year yet. And if God gives me more time than that, guess what? 2026 will be my best year yet. And then 2027, amen? Because I serve a powerful God. I serve a good God. I serve a God that is in control. I serve a God that has never-ending blessings for my life. Amen. So if you believe that with me, there's four actions that we can take. Amen. And I want to share those with you, but let's pray first and then I'll start preaching. Is that all right? Oh, it's just kind of to wake you up because he, so, 
Some of you are still lethargic from, from the New Year's. Amen. All those tamales and pupusas and turkey you ate. It, it's made you really sleepy. So, so I had to wake you up. Amen. Let's pray and we'll go into the message. Heavenly Father, we have set this time apart with one goal. To put you first. To make you first. So Lord, as we've gathered, we want today... Today being the first day to set a pace, to set a rhythm for the rest of the year, to set new habits, to set a new mindset for the rest of the year. And that is that you're going to be first in our lives. Because Lord, when we get you right, everything else is right. When we get you wrong, nothing in our life is right. So Father, speak to us. I pray that your word, more than touching our emotions, our intellect will touch our inner man and change us. Lord, I really believe with all my heart that 2024 will be our best year yet if we put you first. And that is what we're doing. Lord, we ask for your blessing. We ask for your manifested presence in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you would open up your bulletin or if you have your outline with you, I want us to go to Joshua chapter five and we're gonna read quite a long scripture, but it's gonna be worth reading. Um, Look at what it says, Joshua 5, 1 through 12. It's in your outlines. If the letters are too small and you forgot your glasses, don't worry, we got you covered up here, amen? Here's what the word of God says. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, look at this, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had courage to face what? That's the power of God. He just, sometimes God doesn't even have to fight your enemies. He can intimidate them with his presence. Amen? At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives, made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Harlot. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died. Why? Since they had not obeyed the Lord, for the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. After the whole nation had been circumcised, 
They remain where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgad to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgad on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grains. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. So let me give you a little backstory to what just happened. If you're familiar, for 400 years, the people of God, the Israelites, had been crying out, had been praying, had been pleading with God that he would send them a savior to free them from slavery. For 400 years, they endure the hard labor. They endure the pain of being slaves in Egypt. And it took 400 years, but God answered their prayer. And he raised a little boy named Moses. And through Moses, God displayed his power, his authority, and his reach. And through the process of 10 plagues, God not only broke down Pharaoh, but he broke down Egypt. God used Moses to bring out the people of Israel from slavery. And he brought them out and he took them on the route to the land that he had promised them. Because although they were in slavery, they held to the promise that God would give them their own land and that God would give them their own home. And through the wilderness, God not only let them, God took care of them. God provided for them. God was with them along the way. There was a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night to lead them, to show them. When they got hungry, he fed them. When they got thirsty, he provided water for them. When their enemies confronted them, he defended them. God was good along the way. Now, it's interesting to note that although God did all this, the Israelites did not have the best attitude. You remember what their behavior was like? You remember what their attitude was like? They complained. They moaned. They criticized not only Moses, but God as well. The God who made sure that their sandals didn't wear out, the God that made sure that their clothes didn't wear out, the God that fed them, the God that took care of them, the same God they doubted, they complained, and they had something negative to say about him. How many of you are grateful that God doesn't treat us the way we deserve? Man, if God treated us the way we deserve, some of us would not be in here, Amen. Some of us would be six feet under or on a house or on the street or miserable. But God doesn't treat us the way we deserve. He treats us the way we need to be treated. And God was good to them. After 
a series of events that I don't have enough time to describe, Moses dies. And Moses dies without being able to enter the promised land because the same people that God loved are so difficult that they caused Moses to lose his temper and disobey God. And his disobedience cost him the entrance to the promised land. Moses died and after he was buried, God raised up a new leader, a young man named Joshua. And I love what God told Joshua. God tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be what? With you. You know, when I was preparing for this, I said, God, every victory you give me, I want you to give to my kids and I want you to multiply that. The way you have been with me, I want you to be with my kids. And God tells Joshua, the way that I was with Moses, I will be with you. And he takes a step further. And he says, every land that your feet touches, what does he say? Will be yours. And here we are. We are at the door of this promise being fulfilled. Because between that promise and the people of God is the Jordan River. But God never stops being faithful and God never stops being powerful. And listen, sometimes mountains rise between us and God's promises so that we can see God move that mountain. And what does God do? He dries up the Jordan River. He dries it up not only so that the Israelites can cross into the land, but so that their enemies can be mortified and scared about the kind of God the Israelites have on their side. And the Israelites, they're on the precipice of entering the promised land. They are within arm's reach of the promised land. God is finally going to fulfill his promise to them. But, uh, but that's where we come into the story. And that's where we find them. God saying, hey, listen, you're about to go from being homeless to being a homeowner. You're about to go from, from wandering through the desert to having your own land. You're about to go from being an enemy territory to calling it your own nation. You're about to go from living on the move to settling down and placing some roots. But he says, before that happens, there's a couple of things that we got to get in order. There's a couple of things that we want. And let me tell you something. Some of us, some of you, you are within arm's reach of God's promises to you. But there's a couple of things that got to get in order. There's a couple of things that God needs to do in your life that you need to let God do in your life so that you can go in and take possession of that promised land. And it is here where we find Four actions, and I found more, but, but, but I only got time for four, amen? Here's where we find four actions that you and I can apply this year that will make this year the best year yet. Are you with me? Here it is. Number one, and you can fill this out in your outline. To enter a new year, to enter your best year yet, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta identify with God. You got to identify with God. Nothing. Hear me out, church. Hear me out. Somebody watching online needs to hear this. Nothing 
will guarantee the best year yet, unlike making God first. When you pursue God, when you choose God, when you aim for God, when you live for God, when you don't forget God, let me tell you, you just set yourself up to have your best year yet. That's why the first thing God does with them is he says, hey, hey, wait a minute. We got an identity issue here and we got to address that. Before I fulfill my promises to you, I got to make sure that you are my people and that you are with me. Look at what God tells Joshua to do. Look at what verse two says. He says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives. And what what does he tell them to do? Come on, guys. I know it's painful to read these words. What does he say? Circumcise the Israelites again. I got to imagine that was one of the few times that the ladies didn't mind being ladies. God, give us the promise, but deal with these guys. Do what you got to do with them. Amen. What is the first thing God tells Joshua to do? Hey, hey, before we go any further, before you walk into the glory, before you walk into the promise, before you take possession of all the goodness that we got, God says, we got to deal with your identity issue. And here's what God wants to know. He doesn't need to know if he's for you. He wants to know if you are for him. He wants to know what kind of relationship you and him are gonna have. And he says, listen, Joshua, here's what you gotta do. You gotta circumcise all the men. Why circumcise them? Well, circumcision was a physical act with spiritual weight. Circumcision was a spiritual act that pointed to a spiritual reality. And God had established to Abraham and his descendants that every male boy, after eight days of being birthed, had to be circumcised. Because it was circumcision that identified them with the promises of Abraham. Remember the promise God gave Abraham? I will make a great nation out of you. I will bless you and I will bless the entire world through you. Who doesn't want those blessings, right? But God said, the way, the agreement, the covenant that we're gonna make is that I'm gonna fulfill those promises. And the way you are going to become a participant, the way you are going to take ownership of those promises is by being circumcised. By saying, there's gotta be a mark in your body that lets others know that you belong to me. You know, a few years back, um, Manolo gave me a sweater. I think it was a sweater or a shirt from the North Face. Now, I grew up in Pacoima, right? So we don't wear North Face in Pacoima, right? (laughs) Reebok Puma, right? Fila, right? Ike, not Nike, but Ike, right? But he gave me something of the North Face and I loved, oh, it was a shirt. It was a red shirt. I almost wore it today. Um, And I love the quality of it so much that it's become my favorite brand. 
I love wearing it. I love it. I've bought shorts, socks, muscle shirts, sweaters, vests. I'm even contemplating buying some running shoes. I just love it a lot. And not only do I love it, but Maisley has seen me wearing it, and now she likes it as well. For Christmas, she got, she got this, uh, this sweater and sweats. She's wearing them all day long. Because she sees dad wear the North Face, so she wants to wear the same stuff too. And there's something, there's something about wearing a brand, right, that you really enjoy and saying, I don't mind people knowing that I like this. Well, let me tell you, nothing will make a bigger difference in your life than making God your greatest identity. See, if the Israelites wanted God's promises to Abraham, they had to do what God required of Abraham, and that is they had to get circumcised. Now, do you know why this is the first step that God gives to Joshua? Simple. The story tells us why. Because this generation that was about to take possession of the promised land was a generation without identity. They didn't have the identity of taking possession of Abraham's promises through circumcision. They had grown up in the wilderness. They had grown up on the way. And they had not been circumcised along the way. Now, here's what that means. Sometimes we get so comfortable with God that being Christian becomes automatic and we forget to live out intentional for God. And that's why at the beginning of the year, we have to make the conscious decision to say, I am going to identify with God. If they want it, let me say it this way, and I want to say it very respectfully. If the Israelites wanted the promises that God made to Abraham, they needed to have some skin in the game. You see what I'm doing there? If you want the promises, you ready for this? You got to have some skin in the game. You got to have some skin in the game. Having skin in the game makes all the difference. Having skin in the game causes you to worship differently. See, the reason some people can't worship, the reason some people don't have the motivation to worship, they got no skin in the game. They got no skin in the, it. Has, listen, let me say it this way. It hasn't cost them anything to follow Jesus. Here's where I'm going. I hope you're following me. Circumcision hurts. I guarantee you that if I walked in in here and said, the Lord told me that every man, we, we're, we're going to go to my office one by one. We got to get circumcised. Let me tell you, some men will run faster than I've ever ran. Because why? Circumcision is painful. Following God is not easy. It's free. It's wonderful, but it's not easy. You know how I know it's not easy? If it was easy, this place would be full. Can I stop there? I don't want to make the online people feel guilty. Because see, if 2024 is going to be your best year yet, 
you got to identify with God. And to identify with God, you got to have some skin in the game. It's got to cost you something. It's got to hurt somehow. It, coming to Christ is free, but it's not cheap. <laughs> Following God is free, but it is not cheap. And having skin in the game makes all the difference. Not only do you worship differently, but you pray differently. When you got skin in the game, you don't need somebody pushing you to pray. When you got skin in the game, you commit differently. Suddenly being at church is not an option, but a necessity. When you got skin in the game, you don't give up so easily. Because you say, man, I didn't sacrifice. I didn't give up all that. I didn't come this way just to give up. So let me ask once again, do you have skin in the game? Are you identifying with God? I love, I love this story. And I almost, I was almost tempted to preach about this story. I love the, the, the passage and I believe it's in Numbers when God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I am not gonna go with you guys anymore. They're in the middle of the desert. And God says, Moses, I'm not going with you anymore. Because if I go with you, these people are so stubborn that I'm gonna end up destroying them. So he says, what I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna send an angel with you guys. You'll still get the promise, but I'm not coming with you. And I love Moses' response. You know what he said? You know what many of us would have said? That's cool, God. I just want the promise, even if you're not in that promise. Because sadly, that's what a lot of people want. They want the blessings of God without God. They want the goodness of God without God. They want God's protection without God in their business. But not Moses. Moses said, Lord, if you're not coming with us, we don't want the promise. We'll stay here. He says, because if you don't come with us, I love this. He says, how will other nations know that we're your people? He says, if you are not what identifies us, then what is going to identify us? See, I, I, I know I may sound religious, but it's not. We should not be afraid to be called people of God. People shouldn't know us as Republicans or Democrats. People shouldn't know us by any other thing. The thing that should identify us the most is that, hey, she, she, she walks with God. She's a godly person. He's a godly man. He's a man of prayer. Now, listen, just as it required for the Israelites to cut back some skin, to identify, to take possession of the promises God made to Abraham, we too need to cut back anything that stops us from totally surrendering to God. We got to do some cutting as well. Whatever doesn't glorify God, circumcise it, cut it back. Whatever doesn't please God, circumcise it and cut it back. Whatever doesn't help you to grow, to be like Christ, circumcise it and cut it off. For them, it was a physical circumcision. For, for us, it's got to be a circumcision of the heart and in our lives. 
We got to cut back anything that keeps us from totally surrendering to God. Cut it back. Anything that stands between you and God, cut it back. Every thought that stops you from making God your number one priority, cut it back. Every habit, oh, I'm just so used to always being on the field on Sundays, cut it back. God's promises are now found in a field. They're found in God. Whatever keeps us from going all the way in with God, we got to cut it back. Every feeling, grow up, cut it back. Stop being so baby. Grow up and cut it back. Oh, but it's because you don't understand you're a new creation in Christ. Grow up and cut it back. Can I get deep? Yes. Said, all right. Yes. You're right. You gave, I want to make sure. Can I get deep? Yes. I'm going to get up in your business. Yes. This is going to hurt. Okay. Every relationship that keeps you from total surrender to God, cut it back. Amen. Some of you, you got some toxic relationships that will steal your promises in 2024 unless you cut it back. Every ungodly, toxic relationship, cut it back. It doesn't matter how long you've known each other. It doesn't matter what you've been through. If it keeps you from God, cut it. Thank you, Rosa. Cut it back. And listen, listen. That means every and any relationship. Okay? I know this this doesn't sound very Christ-like, but it's true. Some of you got some family members that you need to cut back. Because every time you go with them, you end up drunk. Because every time you hang out with them, you end up gossiping. Because every time you go with them, you hate your spouse a little more. Because every time you go with them, you get in debt a little more. Cut it back. Listen. The one relationship that should be above all relationships is not the relationship with your children. You hear me, moms? If you can't say amen, say ouch. It's not your children. The most important relationship is not even with your spouse. The most important relationship is your relationship with God. Listen, I will follow Lorena anywhere she goes, except away from God. God forbid she would ever choose to walk away from God. She's going alone because I'm sticking with God. And anything and everything that keeps you from totally identifying with God, you got to circumcise it. You got to cut it back. You got to let it go. Because see, unless we circumcise our heart, our walk with God won't be a consecrated walk. The Bible tells us that we have to kill the acts of the flesh in our life. That we have to kill the sinful deeds in our life. How do you kill that? You circumcise it and you cut it back. Say, I, 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 that, I, 
I, I know we've been through a lot. I know you've done a lot, but you're also keeping me from a lot. So guess what? I'm cutting you back and I'm choosing God. I'm identifying with God. So let me ask you once again, you got any skin in the game? Because unless you got skin in the game, your year won't be your best year. Because it begins and it ends with God. Now they tell me I got five minutes and I still got three more points. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to give you one more and then you're going to come back tomorrow for the next two. Is that all right? Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. If you're, if 2024 is going to be your best year, if 2024, you're going to take possession of God's promises for you. The second thing you got to do is you got to allow God to heal your hurts. You got to allow God to heal your hurts. Now, I just hurt you. Some of you are offended at me because I told you to love God more than your kids. Some of you are offended at me because I told you, you got some homies and some homegirls. You got to let go. And I was intentional because on the second step, God is going to heal you so that you're not offended and mad at me. Amen. But the second thing you got to do is you got to allow God to heal your hurts. Can I just say something? It's not part of my message, but I just want to say it. Uh, in the month of November, we did our mental health um, series. And one of the things that I said that it's okay to not be okay. And that we have to normalize not lying and saying I'm great when we're not great. Can I just say that I'm still struggling with the absence of our brother Steve? I don't mean to make you cry. I just, I think we got to be honest with ourselves because God can't heal what we won't admit. And as we go into 2024, let me tell you something. God wants to heal our deepest hurts. Look at what verse eight of that passage says. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, They remain where they were in camp until they were what? Healed. I got some news for you that are not pleasant, but they're true. 2024 can be your best year yet, but that doesn't mean there won't be pain in your forecast. There's going to be pain in your forecast because heaven, because earth is not heaven. Because although we walk and we live in glory, we are not in glory yet. And 2024, God will fulfill wonderful things. But I just got to tell you, there is pain in your forecast. And I just want to tell you that pain is not a sign that God is punishing you or that God has walked away from you. But pain simply means that you're not in heaven yet. Because our brother Steve does not know pain right now. And one day we will not know pain anymore. You'll wake up and your back won't hurt. You'll wake up and you won't have to deal with headaches, ladies. You'll wake up. Amen. No more pain. No more pain. But I want to tell you, in 2024, you will experience pain. And I want to tell you about two types of pain that you're going to experience, and then I'll be done. You ready? The first type of pain 
that you're going to experience, and this may come as a shock to some of you, is going to be, be pain inflicted by God. God will inflict pain in your life. I'll explain in just a minute. Whose idea was it to circumcise the people of Israel? God's idea. Whose commandment? And by the way, did you notice that God told Joshua, circumcise them with flint knives, not a scalpel, but sharp rocks. <laughs> I just saw a bunch of guys flinch and turn and get all uncomfortable and cross their legs. Let me tell you, God will hurt you. God is going to hurt you, not because he's mad at you. I'll tell you more in just a minute. But the second kind of pain is going to be pain not inflicted by God. You ready for this? But pain because of God. People will hurt you because you chose God. People will hurt you because you're following after God. Amen? Let me tell you a little bit about these both. First one, pain inflicted by God. If God is ever going to use you, he's going to hurt you. And the more he hurts you, the more he can use you. Because sometimes he has to bruise you to bless you. Sometimes he has to knock you out to pick you up. Sometimes he's got to take you out to bring you in. And God is going to inflict pain in you to make you like his son, to cut back, to peel off sin from your life, to kill the fleshliness in your life. God is going to hurt you so that you grow up. God is going to hurt you to shape you into his image. And when he does, he won't do it because he's angry. He won't do it because he's mad at you. He'll do it because he loves you and he wants something better for you. I mean, there's some stuff in my life. Let me tell you, you want to know the best qualities in my life have come from some of the deepest pain in my life. You know why I've gotten better at loving people? Because I've experienced people hurting me. You know why I've gotten better at being faithful to God? Because I've seen people be unfaithful to me. And sometimes the greatest attributes come from your deepest pains. And God will hurt you because although he loves you, you are not who you need to be and he needs to make you into the image of his son. So, so, so God will allow some things, not because he's mad at you, but because he's got something better for you. But the other pain that you're going to experience is the pain of identifying with God. Can anybody, can anybody help me witness that sometimes following God, that sometimes committing to living for God, that sometimes making the decision to live consecrated to God, that sometimes saying, I will go after God's purposes for you has caused you to get wounded, to be lied about, to be rejected, to be despised, to be ignored, to be forgotten, to be criticized, to be talked about, to be laughed about, to be mocked. Not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. It's not fair, but it's still what? Hurts. You know, being a pastor is not easy, right? 
It's wonderful, but it's not easy. Everybody always has an opinion about us. He preaches too long. He preaches too short. He screams too much. He's not exciting enough. He preached that last time. You know, why doesn't he call me? Why didn't he come visit me? Why, does, why can't he read my mind? Why, why isn't he more friendly? Why is he too skinny now? You know? Hey, here I am. I'm just trying to follow God and be obedient to his calling. And when you do, people will do things that will hurt you. They'll stop inviting you. They might create a group chat without you. Everybody say, ouch. But let me tell you something. God can heal every single pain in your life. See, some of us got scars to prove that we've been hurt. But we don't cry. You never cry over the scars in your life. Because scars are not only a sign that you've been hurt, but they're also a sign that you've been healed. That yes, there might have been some blood. That yes, there might have been some flesh. But you're all right now. And I just want to tell you, God can heal your deepest hurts. Those things you cry about at night that nobody knows, he could heal it. Those those traumas that guide your behavior that you try to hide behind some other action, God can heal that. And God not only knows your pain, he wants to heal your deepest pain. But you got to be honest about it. If you keep running from your pain, God can't heal your pain. And and, and here's why it's important to heal in order to receive God's promises. Because hurt people hurt people. And if God is going to bless you, it's going to be so that you are a blessing. But if he blesses you and you're hurt, instead of being a blessing, you will hurt people. And by the way, You can't enjoy a blessing if you're hurting. So in order for you to enjoy the blessing that God has for you, you gotta heal. Can I tell you one of the sweetest sounds to the ears of God? That's the sound of delivered saints. The prayer, the worship, the gratitude that rises from people who had God act on their behalf, who saw God come through in their need, who saw God fight their battles, who saw God provide from no way, who saw God be with them when everybody walked out, who saw God do for them what nobody else could do. People who God strengthened to raise kids by themselves. People who God provided to pay the rent, to make a living with low income. Let me tell you, when these type of people rise, a prayer, a worship, that is one of the sweetest sounds to the ears of God. So see, sometimes people cry during certain songs. And it's not that they're emotional. It's just that they're grateful 
because there's certain passages, there's certain songs, there's certain things that just break us and touch us and reminded us that we were not always like we are now, that there was a time that we were hurting, that we were wounded, that we were dying, but God came and he healed us and he restored us and he lifted us up and he gave us a new morning and he gave us new strength. Now, let, let me finish with this. One of the things that I love about this passage is that it's God's idea to circum to, for them to get circumcised. And if that wasn't bad enough, you have to remember that God's people are in the process of conquering the promised land. Conquering implies that you got to fight somebody to take it from them. Conquering implies that there's some enemies that are coming for you. But it was God's idea to circumcise them, and very respectfully, let me say it this way, to incapacitate, incapacitate them through circumcision. You know why? So that he could fight the battle. Sometimes when we're wounded is when God fights our biggest battles. Sometimes it's from a place of pain that we can see God's biggest victory in our life. And sometimes God has to hurt us because otherwise we'll try to pick up the sword and take credit for the victory that belongs to him. So if you're hurting, I just want to tell you God's fighting for you. There's no enemy that can stand against you because the battle is not yours, but it's what? The Lord's. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.